This podcast contains adult themes and is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. If you enjoy this content, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tales Driftwood. Tales of Driftwood, where story is everything. As always, I'm your host, Eric, and today I'll be bringing you Chapter 13 of Hyde. Before we get started, let me remind you of what happened last week. The entire team was assembled in the cabin, and Clyde and Max unveiled a plan that would be successful in infiltrating Hyde, hopefully with no fatalities to the team. The original plan did not include Liam and Dorian entering with the rest of the team, which angered Liam but Max made some last-minute changes which included Liam and Dorian making it in and meeting up with the rest of the team. Once everyone had gone away, mostly to go celebrate over drinks, Julian was left alone with his mentor, Horace. Horace gave him a confidence-boosting pep talk and informed him of a secret way into Hyde. So with all that being said, I give you Hyde Chapter 13. You always remember your first. The week leading up to the group's departure alternated between fast and slow for Julian. Fast when he was discussing the plan and gathering supplies, slow when he was simply waiting around. Eventually, everything came together quite nicely. All three vehicles were filled with gasoline, with extra in the back seats just in case. Both Clyde and Liam were able to procure enough explosives for the team to feel confident in, and they were well stocked when it came to the rest of their ammunition as well. They all met one last time on November 4th, the day before their departure, to streamline the plan. In the end, they ended up changing nothing. They were all that confident in what they were going to do. Nothing much had changed in that week, save for the anticipation level being raised just a little more. The one thing that had changed that made Julian feel better was that it seemed as though Dorian was starting to soften his stance on the whole matter. It seemed to Julian that as long as he had his say and was recognized, he would be fine with time. He had clearly accepted that his best friend in the world would not be changing his mind about this particular endeavor. He knew that he would never abandon his friend. 
And so he had resigned himself to seeing this job through to the end. Wade was a completely different story. Julian recognized that the deep loathing that Wade felt for Max would never be appeased unless Max did something deeply meaningful for him, along the lines of saving his life or perhaps Julian's life. Julian hoped that this mission would never have to come to that, so he would simply have to live with the mistrust that Wade had for Max. He laid his head on his pillow the night before, after Horace had wisely given him several shots of brandy. Without it, he would have been tossing and turning all night, unable to sleep due to the racing of his heart. That particular muscle, along with his brain, did fight him for quite some time as he struggled to sleep, his mind racing with possibilities and negative outcomes for the next day. In the long run, however, the soothing influence of the alcohol had calmed him, and he drifted off to a calm, dreamless sleep. Julian had not bothered to set his clock when he went to sleep, and when he awoke it was a quarter past noon. He smiled as he got out of his bed and began to dress himself. His inner clock always worked well for him, and this time it had been right on the money. He didn't want to wake up too early for the day, and he didn't want to rush to leave at the very last minute. This would give him plenty of time to load everything into Wade's car, have some breakfast, and say his goodbye to Horace. He paused as he was buttoning up his shirt. It dawned on him that this morning would be the last he would ever see his mentor and guardian. He felt a lump forming in his throat and quickly swallowed it down. There was no time for that now. No time for sadness or any emotion for that matter. His mind must be clear for the day ahead. On this day, he had added several new additions to his usual wardrobe. Before he buttoned up his long sleeve shirt, he donned a Kevlar ballistic vest, courtesy of their old friend Crowley. The vest had been outfitted with several additional metal plates to add protection to the wearer from anything stronger than a simple handgun or knife wound. He had already worn it several times just to get used to the feel of the added weight, but now it felt quite natural to him. The next thing he put on was his pride and joy, the blade that he had fashioned out of the chunk of metal that had been embedded in his shoulder. It had taken a lot of hard work, but in the end, the blade had come out exactly the way he had imagined it. It was roughly the size of a buoy knife, although it was probably even sharper than the standard buoy, given the amount of time Julian had spent sharpening it. He looked at the blade lovingly, wondering if this is how King Arthur felt in the stories his father used to read him when he was a boy. It always seemed to Julian that Arthur had a deep affection for Excalibur. Not a love per se, but a deep and emotional understanding for the weapon he wielded. Julian turned the blade over and over in his hand. He had made the handle of the knife from a tree he had cut down near the cabin years ago. He felt that it made sense to have a piece of this serene place with him as he went into battle. The cabin, and the lake, and the woods. All together, it had formed a sanctuary for him most of his life. It was important not to forget that, and now he would always have a reminder in his weapon of choice. He carefully attached the knife to another of his joys a homemade slide for his knife. The way that Julian had designed this slide left his right arm extremely mobile. The fact that the knife was strapped securely to the inside of his forearm did not show at all. The release was tuned to his body movements, as a quick snap of his wrist backwards would release the blade, sliding it all the way up his arm until his hand closed around the handle. From there, he could pull the knife out of its holder, or simply keep it there until he snapped his wrist backwards again. 
withdrawing the slide back down to its previous position. He strapped the slide onto his arm and gave a smart snap of his wrist. The blade slid up quickly like clockwork, and Julian firmly grasped the handle in his hand. He smiled as he gave a few quick jabs in the air. Perfection. He snapped his wrist back again, and the blade slid smoothly back in place on his arm. He moved to his dresser and removed the revolver carefully, putting on his shoulder holster and putting the gun in its proper place. He lastly put on his necklace, lovingly kissing his mother's pendant for luck before slipping it underneath his shirt. He grabbed his field jacket and started to head down the hallway when a burst of inspiration hit him. He went back into his room and pulled out two things he had not touched in years. His grandfather's old flat cap and the book which contained the history of Hyde. He carefully put the cap on his head. It was old, but it fit him perfectly. He smiled as he looked at himself in the mirror. He didn't exactly look like a gladiator, but it would have to do. He looked down at the book and knew what he had to do with it. He headed out of his room, taking one last glance backwards before he shut the door. Wade was already up, as was Horace. Horace had been preparing food for them, not just breakfast, but some food they could bring into the town with them, just in case they weren't able to find anything when they arrived. Wade was carefully sharpening his swords. When he was finished, he put them into the two sheaths he had on his back. He stood up and glanced at Julian, a smile breaking over his face as he did. See, Jules, this is the key difference between me and you. I actually look like I'm going to war where you look like you're going out to read a book about war. Julian pleasantly smiled back before snapping his wrist backwards and brandishing his knife menacingly. Wade stepped back, holding his hands up in fake terror, before doing a neat little twirl and pulling out both swords from their back sheaths simultaneously. Horace walked past them and put food on the table. Now, now, girls, you're both pretty. Why don't you two stop playing with your toys in the house and get a good meal in you before you save the world? They needed no further convincing. The next few hours leading up to the departure was spent checking and then double-checking supplies, both Wade and Julian being very anxious about forgetting anything they needed. Finally, the time arrived for them to leave. Both boys had been building up a fair amount of adrenaline with all their pacing and packing, and now they both felt like they would burst if they didn't leave. Horace had a calm smile on his face, giving them both hugs and pats on the back. Julian gripped him tightly in his embrace, and Horace chuckled as he did. Easy, boy. I'm an old man still. Besides, I know you'll be back here to get me once everything is cleared away and hide. Isn't that right? Tears welled up in Julian's eyes as the truth that this would be the last time he ever saw Horace hit home. He quickly wiped them away with the back of his hand, and nodded madly back and forth at Horace. Yes, yes of course, Horace. I'll be back to get you as soon as I can. Goodbye, my friend. Hor shook his head soberly. I'm not saying goodbye, Julian. Godspeed, and I will see you when I see you. Julian slowly reached into his pack and produced his grandfather's book. Horace, I want you to hold this for me while I'm gone. It might be the most important thing about Hyde. If anything happens to me... Horace took the book, holding his hand up as he did. I understand, boy. Don't worry. When everything is finished over there... You'll be able to write your own chapters in this book yourself. 
Julian nodded, the saltwater tears still stinging in his eyes. He gave Horace a final wave goodbye, which Horace returned with a wide smile. He walked over to where Wade was parked and climbed into the car. As they pulled away from the clearing, Horace yelled as loud as he could. I believe in you, boys! Julian felt the lump rising in his throat again and turned his head towards the window so that Wade wouldn't see the fresh tears streaming down his face. After driving for a little while, Wade glanced over at Julian. This may not be the best time, but I don't think bringing this up while we're trying to break into the town would be a better time. What do you want to do with Horace once we take care of business and hide? Julian looked straight ahead out of the windshield. I've already thought about that. If everything goes to plan, I'll leave almost all of my money with Clyde and Archer and tell them to get Horace and bring him back to Hyde. He won't understand why I can't stay there, but I'll never be able to explain it to him. He always said that my father wanted me to carve my own destiny and never go back to Hyde. I guess this is my way of meeting him halfway. Wade nodded and then brightened. Hey, it's just a little bit after three. We're running right on schedule. Julian grinned. The first two phases are already in motion. I'm sure Clyde and Max have already cleared the guards in Hyde, and Liam and Dorian must be getting set up at Huckleberry Island as we speak. Wade chuckled under his breath. Yeah, did you think it was going to be this easy? I mean, we haven't really gotten into planning out what we're going to do once we get in, but this plan to actually get into the town really isn't that bad at all. Julian nodded and then cautiously looked over at his friend. And we never would have been able to come up with such a well-thought-out plan if it wasn't for Max. Wade stiffened instantly at this and a grimace came over his stubbled face. Now, why did you have to go and bring that up, Jules? Julian shrugged and took out his revolver, carefully loading bullets he had taken out of his pack into it. Because, Wade, the sooner you realize how much of an ass you're being about this whole situation, the better off we'll all be. I need to know that the second Max's back is turned, you're not going to put a sword through it. Wade sighed wearily and then awkwardly cleared his throat. <clears throat> I gotta admit, the kid is smart. I mean, he didn't even bat an eye when Liam was yelling at the cabin. He just improvised the last part to get Liam and Dorian in. That was pretty impressive. Julian solemnly looked at his friend. Why, Wade, that almost sounds like maturity in your voice. You're finally seeing what I've been trying to tell you this whole time. We need him. He may not be a fighter, but if this plan is going to succeed, we need more than fighters. Wade nodded and then looked at Julian. For the record, though, I'll still never totally trust him. I know his kind, and they're all the same. Julian shook his head and gazed out of the window. On that note, I will leave you alone, as I am going to retreat into my thoughts. Wade groaned loudly. God damn it, Julian! You can't possibly be serious. This is going to be a fucking three-hour-long drive. You expect me to just sit here in silence for three hours? Julian looked at him with a faint, shocked expression. Of course not. I'll of course have to give you directions from time to time. Wade glared back at him, not at all amused by his friend's joke. Julian laughed anyway and gave his friend a playful jab. Look, I know you're a little freaked out right now, but take a page out of my book. The best way to calm yourself down is to search deep inside for the answer to whatever question you're asking. Wade snorted. <laughs> like what? What can I do to avoid being shot in the face? Julian shrugged and resumed his post staring out of the window. 
If that's all that's on your mind, sure. Me? I have a lot more questions running around up here right now, and I need to take the time to address them all properly. Like I said, I'll give you directions from time to time, but other than that, you're on your own, kid. Wade groaned loudly again, but this time Julian ignored him. He was already a million miles away in his own world, searching for answers and solving riddles. The next three hours of the ride were spent in quiet introspection for Julian, and quietly talking to himself from Wade. His own mind had always been something that Wade had somewhat feared. There had been several times when he was alone that he had actually scared himself. These were times that he had never shared with Julian. Once when he was in the woods, he came upon a deer limping along, its leg clearly broken. Wade had felt sympathy at first, but as he attempted to approach the deer, it panicked and attempted to run away from him. For some reason, this enraged Wade, and he angrily charged after the deer. He chased the wounded animal until it clumsily tripped and fell on the ground, fumbling around in terror as Wade approached. Without even thinking, he had picked a rock up off the ground and smashed the deer's skull in with it, never pausing to consider what he was doing. He had continued to smash the poor creature's head long after it had stopped moving, weeping as he did. When he was through, he had looked down at the mess in horror, trying to reason with himself why he had done such a terrible thing, but came away with no answers. He had felt like another person that day, like someone else inside his head had taken over the controls, and he had just become an unwilling passenger to this new evil. It was why he hated silence, and why he stayed so close to Julian always. He feared that when he was alone, his body could just be hijacked again at any moment, and that was the last thing that he wanted. So he spent the three hours driving to Hyde whistling, humming, singing, and talking to himself, while Julian sat in quiet contemplation, occasionally looking up to tell him to make a left or a right. It was maddening for him, but at least he made it through, as Julian finally sat up at one point and guided him towards an opening in a grove of trees. He looked over at his friend and Julian looked back at him with somber eyes. We're here. They both eyed the woods pensively for several moments. Finally, Julian nodded and motioned his hand forward. Slowly. We don't want to get jumped by bandits before we even get to hide, and we know that the woods are crawling with them. Wade snickered loudly. It's not exactly like sneaking up on someone on foot, Jules. I'm still driving a car. If they see us, moving the car slowly isn't going to have them mistake us for a deer. Saying that aloud brought the mental image of him standing over the slaughtered deer again, and he visibly shuddered. Julian caught it and fixed his gaze on him. You alright there, tough talker? Wade swallowed and forced the smile onto his face. I'm good. Like you said, I just don't want to get caught by bandits before we make it to hide. Julian nodded. Well, blazing through the forest when we don't even know the road isn't going to get us there faster, so let's just creep along until we see an opening. Wade shrugged and began to slowly drive down the dirt path. The forest thickened around them instantly, and Wade felt an odd sensation of being swallowed whole by the woods. He realized why as they drove deeper into the forest. The sunlight was actually being blotted out by the density of the trees. He glanced over at Julian who was looking up at the trees himself, a look of wonder on his face. I'm glad you're having such a grand old time, Julian. 
I'm almost shitting myself over here. Tell me again why we get to use the road less traveled? Julian looked over and smiled at him teasingly. Really? The man with the samurai swords has a problem with driving through some dark woods? Wade set his jaw angrily. I'm not afraid of the fucking woods, Julian. I'm not afraid of anything here. I'm just feeling some apprehension about what hangs out in the woods. Julian arched his eyebrow teasingly. Bunny rabbits? Wade sighed in exasperation and Julian chuckled casually. Relax, buddy. Freaking out about the bandits before we even see any isn't going to get us anywhere. We may not even see any. The woods almost completely surround Hyde. It would be ridiculous to think that they're everywhere. Maybe they're all on the other side and we'll have a straight shot right to the city gate. His expression hardened as he looked back out the window. Besides, if we see any bandits, we know what to do about them. Wade glanced at him uneasily. Julian, have you ever killed anything before? Julian nodded. When we went hunting with Horace those few times, you killed things too. Not a person though, and I know where you're going with this. It's not murder, it's self-defense. Anyone we run into here that points a gun at us is planning on pulling the trigger. We just have to be quicker on the draw. Wade nodded and swerved the car to avoid a dip in the road. In theory, that sounds good, Jules. But what about when it really comes down to that? Do you think you'll... like it? Julian glanced at him, perplexed. Well, I'm not doing it because I like it. To be honest, I'll probably hate it. Boys always dream of adventure when they're children, but once you take all the glamour from it, you're still taking another person's life. Anyone who would enjoy that would have to be crazy. Wade nodded and gulped hard. They continued to drive in silence for several minutes before Julian put up his hand. Pull over the side of the road here. There's an opening up ahead. Wade did as he was told and strained his eyes, finally seeing the small opening in the woods that Julian had seen. He realized that it was hard to pick up now, because dusk was beginning to fall. Julian got out of the car and started to walk purposefully towards the opening. Wade began to follow after him, but Julian turned and shook his head. I just want to take a look at the distance between here and the gate, see what we're dealing with. You hang back here, turn on the radio, and see if you can get Liam or Dorian on it. Tell them we're almost ready and see how they're doing. Wade nodded and grinned. You got it, boss man. Julian turned again and began to curve into the woods. He didn't want to walk straight out to the clearing, figuring that if someone was watching the opening, he wanted to see them before they saw him. As he picked his way through the woods, his heart beat faster and faster. He had not revealed it to Wade, but he was probably ten times more anxious about passing through the dark woods than his friend was. They had made it without interruption though, so now all they had to worry about was the army geared up to kill them at first sight. He jumped over a fallen tree and made his way toward the edge of the wood, where he could see a blazing sunset hanging suspended in the sky. As he reached the last tree and looked down, he swore his heart stopped for a moment. There it was, the town that had been taken away from him, the future that had been stolen from him, the people that needed him, all of it sitting right underneath the dazzling sunset. As he took in the entire picture, his mouth went dry. This was not the town that he had known as a child. That town was buried in a coffin with walls that had to be over 40 feet high. The plains that had once been lush meadows surrounding the town that he loved had been tainted terribly. 
Overturned cars, burnt up trucks, broken motorcycles lay everywhere. Julian took a pair of binoculars he had in his pack and brought them to his eyes. He scanned the entire area and nearly vomited from the desolation. He saw bodies mixed in with the vehicle wreckage, some fairly recent with bloodstains that looked painfully fresh. Others older, with the skin missing thanks to some scavenging animals most likely. He turned his binoculars back to the city itself, taking in the site fully and completely. There were multiple structures that looked like huts, running along the top of the walls. Julian thought to himself that they had to be the guard posts, and a sickening thought came to him. As strangers, travelers along the road who knew nothing about Hyde drove up through the woods, they would be attacked by bandits. As they raced their vehicles toward the town, hoping to find some kind of sanctuary from their attackers, the guards inside those guard posts would open fire on them, killing whatever hope they had of escape. Julian brought the binoculars down as tears welled up in his eyes. How could someone do this? This world was hard enough without having a place like this. This truly was hell on earth. The fact that his father had created this town, a place where everyone was equal, everyone had their say, everyone for the most part was happy, and someone else had corrupted it to this level. It disturbed Julian on a level that he had never understood before this moment. He felt violated, used. This was his town. He shook his head forcefully back and forth. No, don't think like that or you'll want to stay once your business here is done. You know better than that. Take care of the people that did this to you and your family and then be done with the place. He nodded to himself and brought the binoculars back up to his face. He frowned as he scanned the eastern wall where he and Wade would be entering the town. It still appeared to be heavily patrolled as he saw guards walking to and fro between the guard posts. As he slowly moved the glasses towards the south wall, where Dorian and Liam would be creating their disturbance, he stifled a yell inside his throat. It had already begun. He was casually watching the plan unfold when he should be driving down towards his appointed gate at that moment. He saw gunfire spewing from the walls on the south side but did not see any gunfire being returned. He quickly scanned the ground and found Huckleberry Island, and the gunfire was indeed directed at that location. There were several overturned vehicles around the island that were on fire, which must be part of Liam's distraction, he thought to himself. What troubled him was that he didn't see their truck anywhere. He put down the glasses again and whirled around to run back to Wade. He had probably contacted the two boys by now, and they were probably screaming at them to head to the east wall. If he had blown the plan because he wanted to see the town before he drove towards it, he would never be able to live with himself. He rushed back the way he came through the woods and lost his legs about halfway back to the road. His body went sprawling through the air and landed heavily on the ground. He looked around, dazed, and saw that he had tripped over a dead deer. He crawled towards it curiously, not knowing why he hadn't seen it earlier. As he did, he realized there was a hatchet sticking out of the poor creature's head. Horror filled him as he grasped that he and Wade were not alone here, as this kill was very fresh. He quickly got to his feet and turned to head back towards the road once again, when he spotted a motorcycle leaning casually against the tree. Too late, he heard a twig snap loudly behind him, and then it felt like he had just been tackled by a grizzly bear from behind, as all the air in his lungs left him at once. He turned over onto his back and looked up at a strapping man with murder in his eyes. 
The man was smiling wickedly down at Julian as he slowly pulled the hatchet from the deer's head. Well now, looks like I caught myself dinner and a show today, didn't I? Julian's days began to wear off and he looked the man up and down. The stranger appeared to be shorter than himself but was powerfully built, explaining why Julian now felt like he had been hit in the back with a sledgehammer. The man's head was shaved, but he sported a long reddish-brown beard with sideburns that went up past his ears. He had a wicked smile on his face as he advanced menacingly towards Julian, brandishing the bloody hatchet. Well now, sweetheart, what are you doing all the way out here in these woods? Get tired of hide now, did you? Julian's mind began to work as he worked his way backwards on his elbows and feet, his eyes never leaving the stranger's face. He felt a revolver hitting inside gently with every movement, yet his doubts were making him second-guess himself. If he tried to pull out the revolver, would the man charge him? And if he did charge, would he be able to get the gun out in time to shoot the man? He licked his lips as he felt perspiration begin to build on his upper lip. The man was obviously taking pleasure in this. If he had wanted to kill him, he obviously would have done it by now. The man stopped and gave Julian a wide smile revealing teeth that looked like they hadn't been cared for since the last time Julian was inside of Hyde. You better stop wriggling around like that, precious. I promise you, I'm just as good throwing this thing as I am chopping with it. Julian stopped edging backwards, looking desperately right and left. Where was Wade? Did this man have friends that had captured him? Julian forced himself to look back at the man. He banished the questions from his head. Questions here would do him no good. If he kept panicking like this, he would surely end up dead before he even got back to hide. He looked at the man with a stony glare. What do you want? The man looked back at Julian incredulously and then began to laugh. What? What do I want? Oh my. Do you know what I am, young fella? Julian narrowed his eyes. You're a bandit. The man gave him a mocking clap. Very good, but you're only half right. I'm a marauder. Marauders ain't just bandits, you see. We're the best of the best. I take it you've seen our handiwork. He gestured towards the plain littered with carnage. You see, there's only one group of bandits that could hold an entire city hostage and plunder anyone that's stupid enough to try to get into that place. That's us. We've made our living off this place for the better part of a decade now. Julian slowly began to stand and the man drew the hatchet back into a throne position. Julian fixed him with an icy gaze. Alright, so you're a marauder. The best of the best. What do you want from me? The man let out a guttural chuckle. <laughs> you don't get it, kid. The reason why I just told you all that was to prove a point. There's nothing you can offer me that I can't just take on my own. You want to offer me money? I'll kill you and take it. You want to offer me whatever's in that bag? I'll kill you and... He trailed off as Julian abruptly threw off his coat and flung it at the man's face. The man dodged the coat and brought back the hatchet to throw as Julian freed his revolver and took aim. Julian fired as the man threw the hatchet. Julian missed. The bandit did not. Fortunately for Julian, the only part of the hatchet that hit him was the handle. Unfortunately for him, it knocked the revolver out of his hand several feet away. Giving out a primal scream, the man charged Julian and knocked him to the ground, ending up on top of him in the process. The air was once again forced out of him, and Julian realized quickly that the man must outweigh him by almost 100 pounds. Nonetheless, 
the training that he had vigorously undertaken throughout his lifetime kicked in, and he skillfully maneuvered himself underneath the burly man to avoid the punches that the bandit was trying to rain down on him. The man was full of rage. Obviously, he had thought that Julian was going to be a quick and easy kill, which is why he had spent so much time playing with him before attacking. Julian saw an opening and grabbed one of the man's arms, trapping it with both of his legs to lock in an armbar from underneath the foul man. The bandit roared in pain but gathered himself enough to grab onto Julian's shirt, lift him into the air, and bring him back down on the ground with enough force to make Julian let go of the hold. Temporarily stunned by the impact, Julian did not see the bandit's elbow come down in an arc and catch him on his temple. Instead of dazing him further, it actually had the effect of throwing a cold bucket of water on a sleeping man. Julian felt an extra wave of adrenaline kick in as he thrust his knees up into the man's stomach, hearing a welcome gasp coming from his assailant as he did. His mind worked frantically. This was not a fight. This was survival. The man meant to kill him, and if he didn't kill the man first, he would without a doubt end up dead. That meant different rules of engagement had to be followed. The man recovered from Julian's knees to his stomach and bore down on Julian again. As he saw the man's torso coming towards him, Julian's mind reached for something and grabbed it at the last possible second. The blade. He brought his right hand up to the man's chest just as he came crashing down on top of him. Julian's vision went gray momentarily from the impact, and he felt the bandit's hands clawing for his eyes. He closed his eyes and shook his head back and forth to avoid the man's grubby fingers, and realized that his hand was planted firmly against the man's chest. Without hesitation, he snapped his wrist and felt the blade rush up to his hand. His hand never grasped the handle, however, as the blade embedded itself directly into the bandit's chest. The husky man stopped trying to dig Julian's eyes out of his head, and Julian felt the man's entire body shudder and convulse. He carefully opened his eyes and looked into the man's face. Disbelief was written all over the man's face as he looked dazedly at Julian. He opened his mouth, drooling listlessly onto Julian's hair. You. You can't. Julian felt warmth spreading over his chest and felt deeply disturbed. He realized the blade was still stuck in the bandit's chest. Quickly bringing up his feet, he kicked the man off of him and freed the blade from his chest. The bandit fell backwards with a lifeless thud, still writhing in agony. Julian looked down and saw that his shirt was drenched in the other man's blood. A groan escaped the bandit and Julian quickly pulled his knife out of the slide and dove over to where the bandit lay. The man was finished. His eyes rolled up to the whites. It seemed as though the groan took the last of whatever he had left. Julian realized that his blade had slid right between the ribs and struck the heart of the man. He had never had a chance. Julian eased back into a seated position, exhausted from the struggle. He looked down at the now lifeless form of the bandit and realized that for the first time in his life, he had ended another human being. A piece of trash, yes, but still, he had spilled human blood for the first time. His thoughts were interrupted by a loud clicking sound from behind, and he wearily turned his head to see a man wearing a denim jacket and a straw hat brandishing a shotgun pointed right at him. Rage was painted all over the man's face as he slowly brought the gun up to aim it at Julian. You son of a bitch! You killed! It was as far as he got before he was interrupted by a thud in his back. 
His face became confused and then broke into a look of horror as two blades slid coldly out of his chest. The blades were freed as he was kicked from behind and landed face down, twitching in his last moments as he lay dying. Julian looked up into Wade's face and saw something that would stick with him for the rest of his life. Wade was smiling. Not a smile that said, I'm relieved to see that my friend is alright, or I'm smiling because I was able to get here just in time to save my friend. It was a smile of dark pleasure. He had actually just enjoyed killing that man. Wade looked down and quickly wiped the smile off of his face. He hurried over to Julian and helped him to his feet. Jules, are you alright? Julian nodded slowly and looked around at the bandits. We... we killed them. Wade nodded. Like you said before, Jules, them are us. Crazy thing is, I think they had a lot more killing under their belts than we do, but we still came out on top. Maybe this destiny thing isn't such a pile of shit after all. Julian nodded his agreement and walked over to pick up his revolver. Wade walked over with him and picked up the dead bandit's hatchet. This is nice. There's blood on it. Are you sure he didn't hit you? Julian shook his head. It's not my blood. It's deer blood. I promise. I'm fine. Just a little bruised on the inside. Wade nodded and then slapped his head in disgust. Holy shit, Julian. We gotta get back to the car. Julian looked at him in puzzlement. Yeah? What's going on? Did you get a hold of Dorian or Liam? Wade nodded frantically and grabbed Julian's arm. Yeah, I did, Julian. They're in trouble. Something's gone wrong. Julian looked behind them at the bandits' dead bodies as they rushed towards where the car was parked. Worse than this? Wade set his jaw and nodded desperately. Yes, a thousand times worse than this. Thank you so much for joining me for Chapter 13 of Hyde. Things have already turned violent for Julian and Wade. Will the two lifelong friends be able to make it into the ravaged town to meet up with their team? You'll have to listen next week to find out. So until we meet again, make your story a good story. And maybe, someday, I'll be telling your story. Be safe out there, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.